You have made your way to the Peak Performance Edge podcast. I'm Rich Sands. So with 2018 coming to a close here pretty quickly, been thinking a lot about business planning and things like that for the up and coming year. So I want to give you some keys to planning. First off, the key to planning, the biggest key to planning is going to be setting goals and then creating an actual plan to achieve those. Now, we have this habit uh, that we seem to be in as human beings that on December 31st, we sit down and we make all of our resolutions for the coming year. Um, and then by January 30th, we've probably broken most of them. So I want us to get away from resolutions and get to real live goals that have a plan behind them. So the first thing that we have to do in order to be ready for 2019 is review 2018. So when I'm looking back at the coming year, I'm asking myself a big picture question like, well, how did I do? You know, what are my overall impressions of the year? Um, did I make the amount of income that I had set as a goal? Did I do the number of transactions or in my case as a speaker, book the number of gigs that I wanted to book? And, and then was I able to exercise some balance in my, um, in my year and in my life uh, while being out there trying to also create income? If I'm able to reflect on the past year, it gives me the uh, possibilities of being able to look at the new year from a fresh yet well-evaluated kind of um, perspective. So here are some things that I want to do if I'm actually planning for the coming year. First, I want to have goals. I want to make sure that I have goals and I have them in place. So setting goals, by the way, is just the beginning of all of this. Uh, first off, we have to actually know what we want to do with our goals. What, what are the rules for our goals? And I have some that really work for me. First, your goals should motivate you. Any goal that doesn't get you a little jazzed up probably isn't worth having, so they ought to motivate you. Second, we hear about SMART goals, so let's deal with that. Your goals need to be SMART. That is specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound. Uh, time-bound means you have a deadline on them, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Number three, your goals need to be in writing. Put them in writing, you have a much better chance that you're going to actually work on them and achieve them. Four, your goals need a plan in order to make them happen. A goal without a plan, they say, is just a wish. <laughs> I pulled that one out of the cliche department, right? Uh, and number five, your goals have to respond to rituals. Uh, they have to be tied to things that you can do on a daily or weekly or monthly basis uh, to get them achieved. So, Here's my protocol for goals. First thing, list everything that you could possibly want and need in your life. There is no worrying about how here. You just, this is a grab bag of things that you like. I want this. I want that. It's the ultimate um, id exercise, if I can be a little Freudian here. Now, what I like to do with my goals is I like to divide them up into groups. So some of my groups are things like family and friends, uh, physiological goals like health and, and weight and diet and things like that, uh, professional, intellectual, uh, financial, um, social, uh, personal development, and, and spiritual. All ideas of places where you could classify your goals. Some people just like to crank them out and, and don't even worry about classifying them. Then, once I've written down everything I want, I create a timeline. 
I make mine visual because I'm writing down my goals. I put little symbols next to them. And if it's a goal that I expect to achieve, and that's the key thing here, expect to achieve, in six months or less, I draw a little lightning bolt near it. If it's six months to 18 months, I put a heart by it. If it's two to five years, a smiley face. And if it's five or more years, I'll put like a little clock, a picture of a clock. Now, once I've assigned a timeline to each goal, again, this is when I expect to achieve it, um, I can look and get an overall picture. If I'm seeing a ton of lightning bolts, I'm wondering why all my goals are such short-term and where are my medium-term and long-term goals. If I'm seeing all clocks, I'm wondering why I'm a terrible procrastinator and why I don't have any short-term goals. Next, I want to prioritize my goals. I want to pick out the most important ones. Uh, and again, if I'm doing this in classifications, uh, it's easier because I can pick out physiological goals and decide which are the most important ones. When you've determined your most important goals, a cool thing to do is write a sentence about why you will actually achieve it. Not how, why. Number four, I create a resource list. This can be financial, this can be intellectual, it can be people. It's, it's if I need help with any of my goals, what kind of resources do I have? We, we seldom look at our goals from something as something that we could receive help in achieving. A resource list will really help you with that. Uh, then create a step-by-step -step plan. How do I get from where I am now to where I want to be? And then finally, I want to monitor that plan. I want to have checkpoints along the way to know how I'm doing. The second big thing I'm going to do is I'm going to evaluate my numbers. Now, if you're in the real estate business, and most of the people who listen to this are, I'm going to look at things like listing presentations made versus listing contracts signed and see what my ratio is. How many out of 10? What percentage of the presentations that I go on do I get? Now, some people have a really high percentage of conversion. They just don't go on enough appointments. And so the focus then needs to be, hey, I need to find a way to get more appointments. Whereas other people go on a ton of appointments and maybe they don't do quite as well, but they make up for in volume. So make sure that you know listing presentations made versus listing contracts uh, signed. Then buyers interviewed versus purchase contracts, same idea. Um, Fall through. What percentage of your seller or buyer deals don't close? Um, then look at some listing data. What are your days on market? Um, what is your sales to list price ratio? Uh, what about listings taken versus listings sold? And what is your average list price? Uh, the cool thing about being able to do that is you're generally able to get those statistics for your MLS and see how you're doing. And of course, if I'm not doing better than the average agent, it's probably not something that I'd really yeah. Uh, number three, you need to know what kinds of things make money. If you're really going to do a business plan, you have to be able to take that close look at your business and understand what it is that makes money. So I go to the National Association of Realtors Profile of Home Buyers and Sellers, and I look at methods used to find real estate agent by buyers or by sellers. So first with sellers, what we see is that 53, sorry, 63 percent of the average agent seller business comes from people that they already know, either friends, neighbors, relatives, or referred by friends, neighbors, relatives, or past clients. Then it drops way down to 5%, like personal contact, and 4% internet website, and, and 
4% visited an open house. These are all in the National Association of Realtors Profile of Home Buyers and Sellers. Or you can shoot me an email at richteaches at gmail.com and I can send you some of these charts that I'll talk about. Um, you also need to know how buyers found their agent. Uh, 53% of those were people that already knew the agent or referred to by them. Um, some of them inquired about a specific property and, and that's how they found an agent. Uh, that's 7%. Website, uh, 6%. Referred by another real estate broker or agent, 5%. Visited an open house, 5%. Then I really want to take a look at my dollar productive activities. I want to try to look at what I do when I work with a buyer and what I do when I work with a seller and, and get a handle on how much time am I spending doing this. The time I did this, the first time I did this after six years in the business, I discovered that I made about $88 an hour working with buyers and close to $200 working with sellers. And it was kind of an eye-opening experience. And, and you can also email me and that'll be part of the um, packet of things that I send you uh, is this dollar productive activities chart. Um, by the way, you can put in all this time and if someone doesn't close, uh, you don't really make anything. Uh, my next step is to plan for productivity. I want to make sure that I'm focusing on the things that, that are positive and that actually result in uh, closed transactions. Now, Dr. Christian Barnard was the guy who invented the heart transplant. And when he did a heart transplant, they took anywhere from 4 to 12 hours, and he did 6 a day. Now, you're probably wondering how he could do that. Well, he didn't actually do the whole thing. What happened was they would clean up the guy. They'd put him under. They, they might, after a while, I'm sure they opened him up. And what Dr. Christian Barnard did was he took out a heart. He put in a heart. He probably, like, thumped it to get it going. And then he moved on to the next one. So if you're really looking for productivity and balance, you want to be the surgeon. You want to be Christian Barnard. You don't want to be the one who does the productive activity. So let's talk about that because I look at productive activities with the acronym PIN. Productive activities are the P. These are times when you're engaging a buyer or a seller in a buying or selling situation. Listing presentation, showing property, writing contracts, and my favorite, sitting at a closing. Indirectly productive activities, the I, are things that are proactive, purposeful, forward-thinking. They're things that are setting up my P experience. So if I'm on the phone talking to a past client or I'm uh, checking in with, uh, with someone in my sphere or I'm performing some activity that might be lead generation oriented, that would be indirectly productive. Now, if I am sitting around alphabetizing my sphere of influence, which thank God we don't have to do anymore because we don't use those little plastic boxes to keep track of our sphere. Um, if I'm doing stuff like that, I'm doing non-productive activities. These are activities which take up our day, but generate neither income nor leads. And then the last thing we're going to do is we're going to oversee our time. Covey talked about quadrants. He talked about the time management matrix and that there were things that were important and urgent. There were things that were important but not urgent. There were things that were not important but urgent. And then there were things that were not important and not urgent. And so 
what Covey really gave us was kind of a guideline for how to set up our day. If something is important and urgent, these are things like deadlines. These are like when you have that last minute exam back in college, the, the emergencies that come up. The key here is those things need to be managed. Then there are things that are not urgent but important. These are really the things we need to focus on. Planning, problem prevention, self-development, um, healthy quality relaxation, um, and relationship building. Not urgent but important. We focus on those. Then we have urgent but not important. These are some of the calls we get, some of the emails that we get when we're stuck with somebody else's problem um, and some meetings that we have to go to. And what we do with things that are urgent but not important is we avoid them. And then the last matrix he gave us was the th were the things that were not urgent and not important, like watching some television shows or goofy movies or standing around the water cooler gossiping or, or just doing whatever. What we need to do with those things is limit them. So we have manage, focus, avoid, limit. Kind of cool. Uh, Covey helps us out there. And then I think the last thing we need to do, maybe I already said last thing before, but we'll try it again, um, is we need to look at our plan in terms of this plan that we're putting together. How can we deploy that plan against the things we do really well? So I want you to think about your strengths. What am I really good at? And make that the focus of your business plan. If you're an outstanding negotiator, you need to find a way to get that in front of people. If you have market expertise, you need to find a way to get that in front of people. Take your strengths and double down on them. So in conclusion, it is time to plan. And hopefully this little exercise in, in some of the steps to planning have given you some good ideas. Um, you can always reach me at richteaches at gmail.com or leave a comment here underneath the podcast. Um, it is December, and so happy holidays to everyone, and good luck and good skill in the upcoming new year. Thanks. <music>